Gospel according to St. Luke, yeah, we were dealing with uh, last week uh, Jezebel, <laughs> that, that spirit of control uh, that uh, if we're not careful can slip up on any of us. And, but we, in that 22nd chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, uh, Jesus clearly states God's model of exercising authority and power. And look at what he says in Luke 22, verse number 24. And then after that, I want to I want to talk about uh, tonight specifically. I want to deal with developing temperance or self-control, uh, because I think sometimes we get out of control. Jezebel, which all agree, was out of control. She was she was off the chain, as they say. She was she was she was lit uh, and not in a good way. <laughs> And so, so what I want to do is talk about temperance and self-control because all of us, if we're going to remain faithful to God, if, if all of us are going to be effective uh, in kingdom building business, we have to learn how to develop temperance and self-control in our own lives. Because how many of y'all would agree with me that left to ourselves, all of us can get out of hand, right? I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. If you are left to yourself, you can, you know, you, you can be something else. Just like I could be something else. But, but look at what Jesus says. Again, going back to Jesus is, is teaching his disciples about what it really means to, uh, to lead and what it really means to be a, a, a true servant leader. He says, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Uh, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a what? Say it again. A leader should be like a servant. Verse 27 says this. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. That's Jesus' model for leadership. That's Jesus' model for how we, as born-again believers, uh, should carry on our Christian faith and our walk in this world. We should be as servants. We should be as servants. And any leader, any good leader is a servant of the people that they, that they, are, that they are leading or been put in a position of leadership over. Obviously, Jezebel didn't understand that. Uh, and, and she was, you know, she ended up facing God's judgment as a result of her, her spirit, that, that, that foul spirit of control that she was dealing with. But tonight I want you to turn with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Uh, and we're going to read verse number 22, Galatians chapter number five, verse number 22. Tonight I want to talk about temperance and self-control. Everybody say temperance or self-control. Okay. I will submit to you that many of the problems we face today are due in large part to a lack of self-control. Would y'all agree with me? Many of the problems in the church 
and that families in the church are facing are due to a lack of self-control. All right. Uh, you know, if there's not a medical issue and you don't lose weight, it's a lack of self-control. Can we all agree? I mean, unless there's something some medical going on, if you can't lose weight, it's, it's due to a lack of self-control. In other words, you, you, you can't control yourself from eating certain things. I'm talking, I'm preaching to Doyle Adams right now, okay? Y'all can just sit back, I'm talking to myself right now. All right? Unless there's a medical condition, the inability to lose weight is due to a lack of self-control. The, the unwillingness to say, I'm not going to eat certain things. Boy, I tell you, I, I, I ate, I ate, uh, I ate some, uh, some, some awesome baby back ribs. Uh, uh, Laura, uh, tell, tell, make sure you tell Nate, tell Lisa, tell, tell Nate those ribs were off the chain. I mean, he, I mean, I, 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 I talk, y'all know I'm a connoisseur of fine taste when it comes to that. And those things were good. But you know what? Eating all, <laughs> yeah, he fixed me a pan of them. Not for me, but for the family. But, you know, I kind of thought they were for me. And there goes that lack of self-control. If you eat too much of that kind of stuff on a regular basis, then, then that causes the weight not to reduce. Right? Everybody say lack of self-control. Um, can't get out of debt. Lack of self-control because what, what happens with a lot of people is they'll do a debt consolidation loan to consolidate all their debts into one low payment and then because they have not exercised discipline and control, they go back and not realizing that, that, that the individual debts wasn't the problem, it was their lack of self-control, borrowing beyond the means to pay for the thing. So what, what happens quite often when people do debt consolidation loans is they go back and charge stuff right back up, and now they got the car- charge cards right back up where they were before. Amen. Give them a little bit of time, or maybe a year or so, and they right back up where they were, plus they have the debt consolidation loan. Everybody say lack of self-control. Say no temperance. Can't break a bad habit. Lack of self-control. Can't get more done during the course of the day because of a, quote, lack of time. How many of, how many of us have told ourselves, I just, it's, not, it's just not enough time in a day. Guess what? Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. And, and, and usually it's a result of our lack of planning. Correct? Our lack of foresight. But we want to blame it on there's not enough time in the day. So all those things uh, revolve around this, what we're talking about, temperance here or, or, or self-control. The text says here in Galatians 5 and 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, Paul, had, in, in, in talking to the Galatian church, had been talking about the works of the flesh. But now he goes into talking about what the spirit, the works of the spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in our life. He says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Look at the next verse. Gentleness and what? Self-control. There is no law against these things. Now back up and go back to verse 22 again. It says, but the Holy Spirit 
produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So love, joy, peace. And then we get out to the last one, self-control. So maybe, maybe we ought to take a look at and try to discern what's happening in our lives uh, to the point to where we don't have the Holy Spirit doing the producing in our life that this verse says clearly he does. Clearly the Holy Spirit will produce these things in our life, but maybe we don't, we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. Maybe we're not putting ourselves in a position to where uh, the, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit can't do what he wants to do in our lives. Can I get a witness? If y'all would, guys in the back, would y'all come back down here? We, we would love to have you down here. There's enough room down here. Why don't y'all come on down here with me, okay? On Sunday mornings, guys, I want to tell y'all this. We want to fill this area down here. There's no need to sit up there when we got room down here, right? And my brother Rod says he needs you down here for the video presentation. I want to see you eyeball to eyeball, amen? So don't run to the balcony to hide. Come down here and be with us, amen? God bless your soul, amen? Is that awesome or what? All right, all right. Y'all are good. Y'all are some good folks, amen? We thank God for you. All right. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, uh, let, let's get back to it. So the Holy Spirit is the one who produces self-control. He also produces gentleness. Back up, back up to 22 again. Watch this now. Notice what Paul says. The Holy Spirit does what? Produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So let's, well, let's back up and see what kind of fruit uh, the, 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 the flesh produces. Back up, if you will, to verse number 20. Let's go to verse 20 and we'll work our way down. I mean, 19, go back to 19. I think that's where we're going to start. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are what? The results are very clear. Now, again, how do you know if you're following the desires of your sinful nature? Here it is. The results are very clear. If you're engaged in sexual immorality, then you're following your sinful nature. The Corinthian church that we're studying on Sunday morning uh, was, was, was awash in sexual immorality, right? So we know that many in the Corinthian church were, were following the desires of their sinful nature. They had sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, all right? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Any of y'all household is full of argument? Don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put you on blast like that. But if you if you live in if your household is is, is awash in constant uh, conflict and arguing, somebody is following the sinful desires of the flesh. How can you tell me? Can two Christians who love Jesus, both say they love Jesus, both say they've been born again, been baptized, went to the water, got up, amen, singing hallelujah, but you can't get along. I don't quite understand it. Well, I do understand that because somebody is, is being controlled by the desires of the sinful nature. See, whenever you, whenever the Holy Spirit is abiding, when you're filled with his spirit, it'll produce a peace in that home. Watch this, watch this, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Come on now, this is works of the flesh now. Because later on he talks about the, what the kind of fruit the Holy Spirit produces. Because we're talking about temperance and self-control. Temperance and self-control will not be evident in any of our lives if we're not relying on the, the Holy Spirit to fill us and to control us. 
So quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division. Whenever there's dissension and division in the church, guess what? Amen. The flesh is working overtime in members lives. Watch. He keeps going, guys. The works of the flesh is, I mean, it's, it's pretty heady, isn't it? It says envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And some other stuff he's even named, other sins like these. He said, let, let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But watch what he says in verse 22. Let's get back to our text. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now watch this, watch this. Go to Proverbs 25 and 28 with me right quick, okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 25 and verse number 28. Self-control brings with it the good feeling of being competent. It brings confidence and an inner sense of security. Watch what the text says. A person, watch this, a person without self-control is like a city with what? Broken down walls. Now understand this contextually. Understand this, that this, this, this statement right here would resonate very powerfully and strongly with people who were living at the time that Proverbs was written. Because Cities at that, at that particular period of time were, were fortified by walls around the city. You remember Jericho? We sang that song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came. Britta, you, like, you don't know anything about that. You don't know anything about that? That's, that's, that's an old song. But, but, but yeah, there we go, there we go. Somebody know it. But cities fortified themselves by building walls because the enemy was constantly trying to attack. So they built walls around the cities. So this would be this statement right here to someone in this particular culture would resonate real strongly. It says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A city with broken down walls is vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So if we don't have self-control, we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. We don't have that barrier that's around us that's protecting us. All right. Are y'all with me today? So, so a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So self-control and self-discipline are also key factors in any success you hope to have in this life. Would y'all agree? Amen. The Apostle Paul understood this principle. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians 9, chapter verse number 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Everybody say temperance, self-control. Say, I need that in my life. And guys... Hear me carefully. All of us, I think if we're honest with ourselves and honest with other people, we'll we'll readily admit that there are various compartments in our lives that we're not exercising uh, self-control or we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to perfect self-control in that particular area in our life. How many of y'all can think of something that you got right now that you say, well, listen, man, I I need some control in that area. I'm I'm sort of out of control there. All right. All right. Uh, watch this, watch this. Look at what Paul says. Paul says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for what? Come on, let's read it one more time. All athletes 
And how many of y'all know the Apostle Paul loved to use athletic examples because in this culture, uh, they, they, they loved, uh, you know, they had something that they called the Ithmian Games, similar to our um, Olympic Games. And they would have these contests and athletes were constantly training and preparing for these games because you can't, you cannot, let me tell you something right now, you cannot get up and run two miles without stopping in a certain length of time if you haven't put yourself through a training regimen. I don't care how bad you want it. I'll tell you before, if I offered a million dollars, I think LeBron James got some show coming out called the Million Dollar Mile or something. Uh, none of us in here who hadn't prepared themselves could adequately compete if you if you don't put some time in discipline your flesh. Right. How many of y'all think y'all could walk three miles right now? Walk it. Yeah. I mean, at a, yeah, walk it. How, how many of y'all could walk six miles? OK. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just, just want to check with you. Uh, how many of y'all could run a half a mile? That's two times around the track. Now, now. OK, let, let, let me put it. Let me put a little bit. You, you can run it in less than two days. I mean, you. <laughs> OK, I, I know somebody say, yeah, I can do that. Brother. But how long will it take you? <laughs> That's what I need to understand. See, if you're, if you're not, diff, if you're not self-controlled, if you don't have temperance, if you haven't conditioned your body, it's, no matter how much you want to do it in your mind, your body is going to start out running fast. And then pretty soon, about probably two, 220 yards into that half mile routine, your body will say, wait a minute, hold up. We ain't never did this before. What are you doing? It's been since high school since you ran. What are you trying to do? I got to get this money. I got to get this money. No, we're not. Because you didn't train. You didn't exercise self-discipline. You didn't put this body through a regiment that got it into position to where it could control itself and begin to run that half a mile in a certain length of time. It, It takes discipline. It takes Self-control. Olympic athletes train for years to have a chance to win a brief moment of glory. Think about the guy who runs the hundred meter dash. Think about that in the Olympic Games. Okay, every four years, you're training to run ten seconds or less. Think about that. Now, how many of us will have the discipline to go through that regimen, go through different track meets, and constantly stay in shape, constantly sprinting, constantly running for ten seconds? Or less. Because you're running in 10 seconds, 100 meters, you probably, come on, somebody help. What's a good 100 meter time? Olympic time. Is it, are they running under 10? Anybody? Any, nine something? Nine something? Okay. All right. So, so if you, if, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you have to discipline yourself and waiting four years to get to that moment. That takes focus. That takes a disciplined regimen, right? All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for what? An eternal prize. Okay, so Olympic athletes train. But but the race we are running is much more important than any earthly athletic event, guys. So self-control is not optional for Christians. Everybody say self-control is not optional for me. It's not. All right, so there, there are many areas, guys, that I think all of us would do well to evaluate the effectiveness of our self-control or our temperance, even when it comes to our study time, 
even when it comes to our prayer times. How, how, how vi- diligent and vigilant are you in your prayer time? I mean, really, do you really pray on a consistent basis or do you pray when there's a specific need? Do you intercede for others? Do you spend that time uh, getting into the book and seeing what God has to say to you? Many of us have, have fallen down on, on self-control in those particular areas, but it's critically important, okay? So let's look at some steps to developing self-control, okay? I want you to write these down, some steps to developing self-control, all right? Jezebel didn't have it, did she? She was out of control. I mean, to, to the nth degree, she was, she was at, you know, just way out there, warped speed out of control, all right? So the first step in the development of self-control, number one, admit your problem. Everybody say admit my problem. The first step in developing self-control is to accept responsibility for your lack of self-control. Don't pretend like you're studying your Bible and you don't. The Barna Group constantly does research about Christian trends and, and, and consistently the surveys tell us that 75 to 80% of Christians don't have a personal quiet time. That would mean that out of 100 of us, come on, uh, 20, uh, 20 is consistently having a study time and the other 80 pretending like they do. Come on. The other 80 come to church with their Bible under their arm. Got bookmarks, the little marker things. Got Stuff highlighted, but ain't read nothing. Come on, can we be honest? Uh, 80, 80 of, uh, out of the 100 will never take a, a CD or DVD uh, uh, of the message back home and, and replay it to see if they miss something. Because you always, if, if I preach an hour, you're going to miss something. Hello? You're not going to remember everything I said, right? All right? I got your notes. Yeah, but do you, do you even look at my notes? I, you know what? Uh, the notes are online. They're on the app. We give them to you uh, uh, in your hand. And when I get it, when I do what I'm supposed to do, I give them to Jason. He put them on the screen. We have all those notes. You got it in your hand. You got it on the Bible app. You got it on the screen. I wonder how many really look at those notes when you leave this place. I don't want you to admit anything. Just look, look ahead and look like you really studied Look, look like you really go back and evaluate what's been given to you. Again, I'm, I'm still going to try to help. I'm still going to try to put stuff out there. Listen, y- y'all heard, heard the statement. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink, right? And that's true of, of believers. You can give believers information that will help them live their Christian life, but you can't make them study it. As, as much as I, I told you before, as much as I would like to, I would like to cut everybody's head open. <laughs> Take this Bible and put it right down there and sew you back up. But I can't do that. They would put me in jail for that. All right. But but we have to we, we, we're going to have to put ourselves in a position where we first of all, we got to admit the problem. Admit your problem. Admit that you don't, you don't have self-control when it comes to your time, timeliness. All right. Uh, or uh, evaluating how we do things. Okay, go, to, go with me to James chapter 1, verse number 14. Okay, so the first step is admit your problem. James chapter 1, verse number 14. Talking about 
temperance, self-control. The church needs a body of believers who are operating under the Holy Spirit's influence. Because we saw that self-control is a fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit, correct? So if I want self-control, Lou, then that means I need to embrace the working of the Holy Spirit. I can't be scared of him. He's not an it or thing. It's him. He's the third person of the Godhead. So if the Holy Spirit, if he produces self-control, I need to get connected with him. That's the problem. Many people try to conjure up self-control and try to do it through the flesh, and it doesn't work. Right? Right? It doesn't work when we try to do it ourselves. And here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a key. You were never designed to do it by yourself. Watch this. Look at what James says here. He says, temptation comes from our own desires. Is that what it says? Our own desires, which entice us and do what? And drag us away. Look at what 13 says. Look at what 13 says. Back up 13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. God does test our faith. Correct. God does put our faith to the test. But God is not going to tempt you to do wrong, brother or sister. Okay, y'all got that? Verse 14 again. Look at it again. Come on, let's go. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So this verse says we do stuff because we like to. (laughs) Is that what it says? Come on. Temptation comes from where? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Anytime you sin... 99% of the time is because you wanted to sin. You liked it. Y'all find, come on, let's read one time. Temptation comes where? From the devil? Which entice us and drag us away. So we do stuff because we like to. It's an inner desire that we have got to learn to be honest with ourselves about. You got to say, yeah, you know what? Man, I like Jack Daniel. I mean, I've been drinking it for a long time. I like it. But I know, I know my pastor said that part of our covenant commitment at, at EBC, we won't, we're going to abstain from the sale and the use of alcohol. But I like it, but you know what? I, I'm going to stop drinking it with the Holy Spirit help. Man, I like women. Woman, I, I, woman, I like men. But I got I to gotta keep that under control because that's not right. I, you know, fornication is wrong. The Bible says flee from it. Oh, was that too raw for you all? Are y'all looking at me kind of crazy? The first step in 
operating in self-control, first, you know, we talked about connecting with the Holy Spirit, it comes from him, but what do we say? Number one, we have to do what? Admit the problem. If you never admit that I like him when I'm not supposed to like him, if you don't admit that, you won't put up the proper boundaries. Because proper boundaries keep you from straying. Because we just found out right here, we do stuff because we like it. Is that what the text says? Come on, Bible readers. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and do what? Drag us away. Away from what? Away from God's will for our life. You got to admit the problem. Admit that you're attracted to somebody, that person you shouldn't be attracted to. Admit it and then put the boundaries up to keep yourself from going over that boundary. The starting point for developing self-control is to face what God has already said. We are responsible for our behavior. Amen. We have to admit that we have a problem and be specific about it. Well, you know, bro, Pastor, I need you to pray for I got some stuff going on. What, okay, what stuff? That's what I start doing in counseling. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Wait, all right, all right. So what are you talking about? Tell me specifically what you're talking about so we can deal with it and we can get biblical uh, direction on it. Don't, don't talk in parables to me. If you want help, when you go to people for help, you got to stop talking in parables. And some of y'all, you talk, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Tell me exactly what, you know, you know, things be like, you know, you know, things be whirling around in my head and I be. What things are whirling around in your head? Tell me what it is that's whirling around in your head. Come on, y'all. Y'all ever talk to some people and they, 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 what we call it, beating around the bush. If you're going to get free, come on now. Um. <laughs> face what God already said. We are responsible for our behavior, but, but, but admit it. We have to admit that we have a problem and be specific about it. Say, I have this problem. This is where I need help. It could be any number of things. It could be food, your words, what you speak. Maybe you got a cussing problem. I don't know. Uh, your temper. It could be a money issue. It could be exercise. It could be sex. It could be TV, clothes, your time. All of these areas need self-control. But until you admit your problem, you're going to have difficulty developing self-control because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce it. But you got to be honest with the Holy Spirit. You got to be honest with God and you got to be honest with God's representatives. We are our brother's keepers. Y'all know that, right? You, you know, we are our brother's keepers and we're in covenant family together. We're in authentic community together, which means that amongst the body of believers that I'm connected with, I should have somebody who I can connect with and be honest about and tell them what the real problem is. Now, you know, I, I, you know, pastor been telling stuff about, you know, marijuana. You know, I'm kind of hoping they legalize marijuana because I like marijuana. <laughs> be honest. Just because something is legal don't mean you should be involved in it. Can I get three witnesses? Pornography, in, for the most part, is Ill, it's legal, but you shouldn't be involved in it. Okay? So, first step is what? 
Number two, put your past behind you. Put your past behind you. Go to Philippians, the third chapter. Put your past behind you. Philippians chapter number three. Admit your problem. Put your past behind you. If I were to, to take every one of us in here into a truth room where you would have to tell the truth. You go inside that room, we lock the door, they turn the machine on. The, the whole atmosphere doesn't let any lie come out. I see some, some of y'all now, I ain't going in there. No, no, I ain't going in there. No. You ask me to go, I ain't going. No. Boy, I wish I could event, develop a truth room. When you walk in there, you, you, your lying lips got to stop. You got to stop, got to stop. Watch, watch, watch. Okay, so put your past behind you. Look at Philippians, third chapter, verse number 13. Now, I'll tell you what, let's go, go, go to uh, verse 12. Go to verse 12. Philippians 3, verse number 12. Watch this. This is Paul talking. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Paul is talking. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Next verse says what? Uh, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, watch this. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us, is calling us. KJV, I love the way it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Put your past behind you. Some people of the mindset that, uh, you know, uh, it's a misconception uh, that if you, if you keep that going in your mind, it'll keep you from gaining self-control. People, people will tell some folks, once a failure, always a failure. But that's not true. You know, there are many successful people who failed at a lot of different stuff. Amen. Listen to me carefully. Failure in the past does not mean you will never be able to change. Are you listening to me? Focusing on past failures, however, does almost guarantee you repeating them. See, the Bible tells me that that when I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and he'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. My Bible tells me that he casts my sins as far as the east is from the west. So when I messed up five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago, the enemy can't hold it over my head unless I let him. Unless I keep looking back on those past failures. Okay? Are y'all with me? Put your past behind you. Put it behind you. Amen? As Y'all hear me say this all the time. You cannot... Drive forward effectively looking backwards. Deal with the past, get healed from the past, get free from the past, but never let the past control you. Amen? Put your past behind you. Number three, come on, let's go. My time is running. Number three, talk back to your feelings. Everybody say, talk back to my feelings. Your feelings are not 
necessarily a reliable source. Because your feelings will be saying one thing where the truth of the word of God says something different. Okay? You got to talk back to your feelings. Are you with me? We have to learn to challenge our feelings. We put far too much emphasis on our feelings today. Now, again, we all have them. Feelings are real, but don't mean that they're the truth. Okay? I, say, for instance, you gotta, you gotta, when the Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you, you got to talk to your feelings because your feelings is not in the mood to pray for somebody who despitefully used you. Right? You, I, I, I promise if I go through and, and, and we go to this truth room and all of us went in this truth room and if I ask you, did you really pray for that person who used you and did something wrong to you? Did you, did you, did you really pray for them like the Bible says? Some of y'all ain't got to go to the truth room. Some of y'all be honest with me and say, Pastor, I ain't never did that. Because <laughs> you, you, you looked at, you, you, were, you were operating by your feelings. And your feelings were, you kind of want to get even. You want to kind of do something. You want to see something bad happen there because you felt bad. But we got to learn how to, if we're going to get to the point to where we are operating in temperance and self-control, we cannot allow our feelings to dominate us. We got to talk back to our feelings. Uh, you know, what, whatever happened to self-sacrifice in the Christian walk? Whatever happened to, uh, to, to bearing our cross? Nobody wants to go through anything today. Everybody wants to, if it don't go right to, quite the way they go, I'm, I'm getting my stuff and I'm leaving. All right? Go with me right quick, if you will, to Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Question for you while you're going. Do you let your moves manipulate you? Just, just answer it yourself. God doesn't want you to be controlled by your feelings. He wants you to master your moods. Are you known as a moody person? Come on. Now, now listen, really, I, I, I don't need to ask you that because, you, see, we see ourselves a little bit different than what others see us. I need to ask about five people who are close to you, who know you, who, who've been around you a long, more than five minutes. Who will tell me the truth about you. Now, if all five of them say the same thing, there's a good chance it's true. All five of them ain't going to just conjure up a lie and lie on you because we're going to the truth room. All five of them said, yeah, she's moody, man. You know, you, you, you never know how she's going to be. One day, she's smiling, and the next day, you know, she's going to bite your head off. All right? Don't be controlled by your feelings. Talk back to your feelings. Look at what Titus 2, 11 says. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Watch this. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and what? And devotion to God. See, when you, when you don't talk back to your feelings, when you don't put the word of God up against your feelings in, to, to, to get your feelings in line with the word of God, you'll find yourself not living righteous. You won't live in wisdom and you won't be devoted to God. Devotion to God is exhibited by our obedience to his word. Not because we come to church. Devotion is exhibited by our obedience to what the scripture teaches us. Okay, so so number 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 three, talk back to your feelings. Number four, believe you can change. Everybody say believe it. Believe you can change. Our beliefs 
do control our behavior. The manifestation of the fruit of the spirit in our lives begin with an intimate connection with God. But even beyond that, our thought life plays a huge part in that, guys, in that manifestation. Our thought life, how we think, how we how we think, how we bring in stuff into captivity. The seed must be planted in our minds. Okay, you got me. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. Let me repeat that. Hear me carefully. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. Because most people act out of their feelings. Hello? Am I right? Come on. Why did you not speak to her? Because you were feeling a certain kind of way toward her. You, you were in church too. And you looked like you didn't see her. Your feelings had you doing that. Look, look with me if you will. Go to, go to, y'all know Romans 12. Let's go there right quick. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We'll read that real quick. And also we'll look at Philippians 4 and 13. Y'all, these are familiar passages. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, two don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God's going to transform all of us into a new person by changing the way we think. The way we think. Because in all honesty, guys, we have ways of thinking that have been cultivated and built up in large part by our families of origin, our household that we grew up in, the friends and family that we were around impact the way we think. So when we come to God and we try to operate in temperance and self-control, the Holy Spirit is trying to produce it in our life. The way he starts is by changing the way we think about life. Okay? Because some of the stuff that we grew up with, just, it, just, it, wasn't, it wasn't right. Or it wasn't, it wasn't biblical. Okay? Amen? Are y'all with me? So, so it says, uh, God, tra- let, but let God, everybody say, let him. You have to let him. God is not going to just come over and take over your mind. You got to let him in. That means when you hear messages preached, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, uh, every men's class, women's class, or uh, Sunday school class, as that word comes into your ear gate and gets into your mind, take that word and plant it down in your heart. Meditate on it. Re- regurgitate it. Let it come up again. Think on it. Contemplate it and say, this is what God's word says. I'm properly exegeting this test. text. This is what God says about my life. And I'm going to, even though, even though I don't feel like praying for him, I'm going to pray. Because that's what the Bible says. And the more I do that, the more I train my thought life to line up with God's word. And the more I train my thought life to line up with God's word, the more I find myself doing God's word. Guys, this will not happen just by you coming to church on Sunday morning. Because most of the time you'll hear a message and there'll be two or three things that you hear out there and you say, oh, that's good. I need to work on that. But when you leave here and you don't bring it back up, you don't think about it again the next Sunday, you got all this other stuff that's coming to your mind, affecting your thought life and your thinking. And now the word of God has been squeezed out. OK, so now you start going in the direction that the other stuff is telling you to go. In, OK, so uh, 
But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, point number four was what? Believe you can change. You got to believe that. You got to believe that you can change. And God will change you by changing the way you think. All of us, he'll, he'll do that way. Philippians 4 and 13, real, real quickly. Philippians 4 and 13, glory to God. Self-control. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I, you need to believe that with all your heart, mind, and soul. I can love this seemingly unlovable person through the Christ who abides on the inside of me. I can go and extend forgiveness in this situation through Christ who strengthens me. I can discipline my flesh to be where I'm supposed to be learning what I'm supposed to learn and applying what I'm what I've learned in my life through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? Mark 9 and 23. Look at Mark 9 and 23 right quick. And write that while you're going there, write down number five. Mark 9 and 23. Write down number five. Make yourself accountable. If you're going to develop self-control, make yourself accountable to somebody. And I hear you saying, well, you know, I'm accountable to the Lord. Yeah, you're accountable to the Lord, but you need to be accountable to somebody who can look you in the eye and take you to the truth room and say, did you really do that? Tell the truth, okay? He says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is impossible if a person believes. All things are possible to him that believes, the kids if he says. All things are possible to him that believes. There are people who've done and, and, and have been able to accomplish uh, uh, significant things for God that on the surface it looked impossible. But they believe. If thou shalt say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come, will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. But the question is, can you believe? Can you believe God to turn your family around? Can you truly believe God to, 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 to resurrect and to, and, to, and to solve your financial difficulty and dilemma that you're in right now? Can you really believe that? Can you believe God for that, Cassandra, that additional source of income, income? Can you believe it? Can you believe God to restore your marriage? Can you believe God to help you to get over that past hurt that is hindering you from really fully giving yourself totally to him? Make yourself accountable, okay? Make yourself accountable to someone. You, many of you may not like this step, but we desperately need it. All of us desperately need it, okay? Find someone who will check up on you, who will pray for you, and who will encourage you in the areas where you want to develop more self-control. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12. Just pop it up right quick, okay? Make yourself accountable. Why are we looking that up? Write down number six, avoid temptation. Avoid temptation. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a three-braided cord is not easily broken. 
A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. They're intertwined together. You got that one little piece of rope there, you can break that a little easily. But you tie three of them together, it's a little bit tougher. Isn't it? Because you, you rope horses and all that. Come on, you got, you got them ropes, and those ropes got to be stronger. That horse can break that thing. You got one little bit of rope without, I mean, with, 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 with only one braid in there, that's easily broken. But you tie three of them together, that thing is hard to break, okay? So, uh, you know, make yourself accountable, okay? Uh, number six, avoid temptation. Stay away from situations that weaken your self-control. Rick Warren said this one time. He said, he, he said if you don't want to be strong, if you don't want to be stung, stay away from the bees. Ain't nothing real deep there about that, but it's a, if you don't, if, if, if there's a wasp nest there and I don't want to be stung, I'm not going to go and touch the wasp nest. Are y'all with me today? Plan in advance to avoid situations that you know are going to cause temptation in your life. You know if you go over there. What's liable to happen? Y'all ain't heard that word in a long time. What's liable to happen? You know what happened the last time you went over there and told yourself you were going to flee. Hello? You told yourself you were going to flee, but things got heated and you started... Okay. Use your imagination. So avoid temptation. Go to Ephesians 4, 4 and 27. Ephesians 4 and 27. Watch this real quick. Everybody say self-control. Everybody say temperance. It's important. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Back up to go, to, go to verse 28 right quick. Plan in advance to avoid situations that you know are going to cause temptation in your life. If you are a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> Any thieves of him, stop stealing. I mean, instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to, the, to others in need. Next verse. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Back up the other way. I went the wrong way. That was good, though, wasn't it? <laughs> Go to 26. And it says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's what it does. Avoid temptation. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. I got one more step for you. Avoid temptation. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Let me say this under, under avoiding temptation. You need to break off relationships you know are bad for you. Some relationships are unhealthy for you. They're unhealthy. I, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, if you are a female and you're in an abusive relationship that's unhealthy, break it off. Quit talking about, well, you know, he had a hard, he may have had a hard time, but you break it off. Before he does something uh, that, that could be deadly. You break it off. There are some certain people who who when you get with them, you do stuff that, that you know you're not 
customarily doing, break off those relationships. Some people aren't good for you. Some people are not healthy for you. Yeah, somebody said toxic. Some folks are toxic. And you need to recognize that and cut it off. I mean, you know, you can be nice about it, but just say, I can't hang with you anymore. Because every time we hang, you want to smoke weed. You want to do this. You want, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm still not where I need to be, so I got I to put some boundaries up. Because I, when I'm with you, I, we, we do stuff we shouldn't be doing. Okay? So break off relationships you know are bad for you. And lastly, lastly, last step, number seven, depend on Christ's power. Depend on the power of Christ operating in you. Galatians 5 and 16. Because self-control and temperance is critically important. We got to stop saying, oh, I couldn't help. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Holy Spirit will give you that temperance. He produces it. Embrace his work in your life. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Isn't that amazing? Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. How does he guide our lives? Through the preached word, through the written word, through a relationship with with healthy Christian believers who will challenge us when we're wrong. Some of y'all only want to hang with people who agree with you. You need some folk in your life who whenever you get out of line, they'll say, man, that's out of line. Some of y'all never had a true friend in your life. Because you won't let them be your true friend. The moment they tell you what they see, you run. You break it off. Your feelings got hurt. But my Bible tells me, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. True friends will tell you some stuff sometimes that will wound you, but they tell you because they got your best interest at heart. Y'all with me? Friends. Okay. Depending on Christ's power. Okay. Um, Notice the order of this sentence. I'm I'm closing. Let the spirit direct your life. That's the first part. Okay. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. That's the first part. That's the first part. Okay. Everybody say first part. Let the Holy Spirit direct your life and you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. It doesn't say you won't have those desires. Did it say that? Did it say you won't have those desires? It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Because in the flesh, well, it's no good thing. And in our flesh, it's going to crave some things that it shouldn't, that, that, is, that goes against God's will for our lives. Spirit-filled people are still going to have desires of the flesh. It's just that you won't satisfy them. Philippians 2 and 13, and we're closing. Philippians 2 and 13. So, so let's, let's establish the fact that because you say don't mean that your flesh is dead. Okay? Everybody, everybody clear? Because you're saved doesn't mean that you won't have sinful desires because as long as we're in this flesh, our flesh is subject to trying to pull away from the things of God. But look at what this text says in Philippians 2. For God is working in you. Watch this. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It says God is doing what? Where is he working? 
he's, he's working in us by way of his Holy Spirit, guys. He's working in us, giving us the desire and the what? Not only does he give us the desire, but he's given us the power to do what pleases him, guys. And that, that he says, this, look, flip back up at verse 12 and we close it. He says, in verse 12 says, dear friend, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Apostle Paul talking to the church at, at Philippi, the saints at Philippi. He says, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And in verse 13, he says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Isn't it amazing when, when the, the more you get into the word, the more you want to do what God's will is for your life? See, when you stay away from the word, then you start wanting to do the stuff that the world is telling you to do. But when you get into the word that the Holy Spirit have its proper place, then you begin to desire to do what's right. And then God will give you the power to do what's right. So that you'll be operating in temperance and self-control. We need temperance and self-control in our lives. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.